covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us. It is great to actually be talking about baseball-related activities as the Brewers have gotten their summer camp underway, and we're just a few weeks out from the season getting started, assuming that everything else uh, goes well, especially in terms of the coronavirus. But right now, baseball seems to be in as good of a spot as you can be in when it comes to that. More about that in just a moment or so. Our housekeeping items here at the top of the podcast, if you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is to find me on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And also, if you do listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a ranking and review and subscribe to the podcast as well. That would be absolutely fantastic. On the podcast this week, we are going to have uh, Andrew Wagner has covered the Brewers for a long, long time. You can currently read him in the Wisconsin State Journal at Madison.com. He is also a contributor to Forbes Sports. So, uh, Andrew is going to join us coming up in just a few moments or so. A couple quick items. A lot was made. A lot was made out of some comments that were made by Ryan Braun uh, in his first uh, comments to the media on the first day of summer camp where he basically said he'll probably be back for another year after this upcoming season. Now, for him to be with the Brewers, they would have to work out some contract stuff. There's a mutual option uh, for that year, and all likelihood it would not be picked up by the Brewers. But you just get the sense that if he wants to be back, there's going to be a way for it to work out uh, that he and the Brewers would be able to come together on a deal for him to come back. A lot was made out of these comments he he made. He, he basically said the same thing a couple weeks earlier. He had done a newspaper interview in Los Angeles and sort of said the same thing. So this wasn't a new stance from him, but he doesn't want to end his career on a 60-game schedule. He sees the designated hitter as a way to maybe extend the career out as well. So uh, this is not going to be his swan song in all likelihood, not going to retire after this upcoming year. The DH, uh, Craig Council talked about it just using Braun as a DH, but there's other individuals as well. And this is something that can really help Christian Yelich. They ride Yelich. When, when you've got one of the best players in baseball, you try to pencil his name into the lineup day after day after day after day. And now being able to keep his bat in the lineup on some days where you don't put him in the outfield, that that can be a benefit. I think you can look at some other players on the team as well who can fill that role as the DH and just being able to. I look. I love National League rules. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a. I'm not a huge fan of the designated hitter. I think it's here to stay. I think we've seen the end of National League versus American League rules. That we'll see a DH uh, moving forward. But even though I'm not a fan of it, you can only take what you have. And what they have is the is is the DH for this year. You got to live with it. And I think we can look at the Brewers roster and say that there are some pieces and there are some parts to the Brewers being able to utilize the DH that it really could be a benefit to the Brewers and maybe as much of a benefit to the Brewers as any team in the National League. Uh, Craig Council did talk about being careful with players as they start to ramp up quickly. It seems like for the most part, 
guys were able to stay in shape, but there's a difference between staying in shape and ramping up intensity to face off against other major league players. And with such a short camp, they're worried about things like soft tissue injuries. They're worried about pitchers and the intensity that's going to go up as they do face off against uh, major league hitters. So that's something to keep an eye on, and they are keeping an eye on it. I can promise you that. And it's something that all of baseball will be keeping an eye on uh, this year. I also think that impacts next year as well because when you when you really increase your workload as a pitcher from one year to the next year you are more susceptible to injury so that's gonna be something the teams are gonna be watching next year as well coming off a 60 game season where pitchers are not going to throw that many innings how they do following up the next year is going to be uh, something that's important from the coronavirus standpoint it was good news for major league baseball and it was good news for the brewers the Brewers were one of 11 teams that had no positive tests during intake. Uh, there were some positive tests prior to that, so they are not at 100%. But uh, overall, they're in a pretty good position right now uh, to be able to uh, get going with summer camp. So that is uh, that is good news for uh, for them and for baseball overall. For baseball overall, they were down uh, below 2% uh, in the first numbers. That might go up a little bit as some more teams came in. but this is a good starting spot players teams individuals need to be very disciplined in how that they are going to go about their lives and make sure that they don't do anything that would put all of their teammates at risk by uh, being somewhere where they shouldn't be or, or being too close to people all the things we know all the health and safety protocols that are going to be in place they certainly need to be followed but assuming that they are followed I think where we are what we're seeing from baseball is just from a from a starting position this is a really good spot to be in they're in a better spot than the NBA the NBA had seven percent positive test and uh, major league baseball is closer to two percent so that's all very very good news as uh, summer camp will continue and we'll just monitor what's uh, going on. As mentioned this week, uh, our featured guest, you can read him in the Wisconsin State Journal at madison.com. You follow him on Twitter at byandrewwagner. It's been way too long since I've talked to this guy. He is, as you might expect, Andrew Wagner. Andrew, thanks so much for the time. How are you? I'm well, Matt. How are you? It's good to finally be on the show. Yeah, glad to uh, glad to have you, and a lot to get into. First, let's start with this. Uh, a couple days of summer camp in the books, just as you see everything going on and the way that they're utilizing so many different parts of the ballpark and the, the multi-sessions and the video uh, being used for, to talk to everybody, what's just your kind of initial takeaway of how everything is being put together in this pandemic world? Uh, I, I think it's it, three words, weird but functional. Um, that's the best way to describe it. Everything is going to just be weird. You know, baseball being such a, you know, institutional game, such a routine game, such a regimented game uh, for, you know, over a hundred years, and now all of a sudden it's all kind of blown up. So everything that we know about the game from a, even a media standpoint, from a preparation standpoint, from everything, it's just, it's all been blown up, and somehow uh, it seems to be working, and, and that's especially the take, you know, the guys that we've had the ability to talk to so far. They didn't know what to expect, but so far it's been weird, but it's been smooth sailing. I know it is kind of a bummer in the sense that 
baseball's the sport that's every day, and baseball's the sport where guys are uh, where there's clubhouse access, and you get one-on-one interviews, and you get to you know, really kind of uncover some cool stories and things like that. That's not existing this year. I mean, we, we can all hope that post-vaccine that that happens again, but uh, we're glad that there's baseball, right? But there's also some disappointment in the way that some of these really cool stories and the everyday nature of baseball is going to play out a little bit differently from a media standpoint. Yep, and listen, you know, I'm no fool. I know there's no sympathy for the plight of a baseball writer. Um, but it is definitely different, and, and it's difficult, because one of the things I think, and I know I'm biased, that sets baseball writing apart from, say, football or basketball, is the access that we're afforded, um, is being able to be in the clubhouse early in the day and, and build relationships with players and, and get to know them as people, which allows us, to, I think, write better stories and get more background and and really create pieces of work, uh, long-form journalism, if you want to call it that. But at the same time, you know, there are bigger issues in the world right now. This is a necessary evil. Um, you know, we're dealing with a global pandemic. It isn't going away. We have to sacrifice, just like players have to sacrifice, just like, you know, people who aren't involved in baseball have to sacrifice. So you, you take it with a grain of salt. You know, it's just a it's a workplace challenge. But you know, again, the, the bigger the bigger picture, grand scheme of things, there is baseball back, and you know, everyone just has to kind of adapt. When the NBA numbers came out, they were around seven percent, and then the first batch of baseball numbers came out, they were under two percent. I think that there's been some more teams that have had tests come in since they've given out the the big group of numbers. So that number's probably going to go up. But even that being said, that's a good number. The Brewers were one of 11 teams that had no positives on the intake. They did have some positives uh, prior to that time. But it seems like this, considering everything that's going on, it, it seems like this could not have gone much better for Major League Baseball in terms of the uh, the testing and the numbers they're getting back from them. Yeah, not kind of what because a long way to go and an awful lot that can go wrong very quickly. But I mean, it's exactly what you want to see because one, it means obviously there's some good fortune, but two, it means that guys have bought in so far to the guidelines and the procedures and the process. And if they've been doing it so far, hopefully that means they'll be able to, you know, we've all heard about that 100 page manual and document that kind of outlines their safety, hopefully this means that more guys are, are going to buy into that aspect of it, too. And Craig Council himself said it was really encouraging and the guys need to be patted on the back because it's no small task you know, asking people to, to, to kind of give up personal freedoms uh, in the first place and then doing so for the betterment of the team. You know, that shows Council is free from the day he's taken the job. Be a good teammate. Stay connected. And this is one of those ways where the Brewers who we know are, are very big on chemistry in a tight-knit clubhouse, this is the way they're finding ways to stay connected and be good teammates even when they have to stay distant. And when you have a 60-game season uh, and anything can go wrong at a moment's notice, those are the kind of things that go well for you. From, a, um, from an overall baseball standpoint, you had a Mike Trout saying, yeah, he's taking part in camp, but he's still not sure. You had Buster Posey kind of say the same sort of thing. Is everybody in baseball kind of on notice, not just from those two guys, but everybody knows that if you've got an outbreak on a team, that could result in any player saying, okay, you know what, this isn't for me? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's and, and we've and we've so far we've talked to um, we've talked to Council, we've talked to Ryan Braun, we've talked to Kellett, and you know they all support the guys that have made the decision to step back. Uh, Christian Yelich said opting out for him wasn't really, you know, a consideration, but he has total understanding of the people that do. Ryan Braun, meanwhile, his wife just gave birth with a couple's third child. He said that he, you know, he gave it some serious thought because, you know, there are there are things at play for everyone, and it's a very individual thing. You know, the important thing is guys have to respect other guys' decisions when it comes down to that. You know, it, it, on the surface, you could say, oh, well, it's just being selfish, but you don't know what people are dealing with at home. You don't know if people are in a high-risk situation. You don't know about lives or kids. And if you look at people like Travis Shaw, uh, you know, former third baseman, you look what he went through, him and his wife went through with their daughter. You know, I don't know uh, the details now. I know she was born with a heart condition. I don't know if she's you know, compromised, but those are the kind of things that you have to take into consideration when a guy chooses to step out. Mike Trout's wife is expecting a child. No. It's a tough decision because obviously it's their livelihood, it's their passion, but at the same time, their families come first. So, you know, I think I think if it is one of these ongoing things, if there is a bro outbreak, the guys choose to walk away. I think I think they'll find support from their teammates. I, I really do. I remind people of this all the time when I'm doing shows, especially call-in shows after maybe a bad performance, but so many sports fans, and this isn't just baseball, this is just sports fans, you, you, you view these individuals who are really good at what they do sometimes as robots, and you forget that they're human beings, and I just, you know, a lot... A lot of these players are leaving their their wives and are leaving their childrens back back at home where they would normally be there with them during the summer, and it's going to be three, four months, however long it might be, where they're not going to be able to see family. That's a that's a tough thing to do. Like as somebody who, when I initially moved to Wisconsin, my wife moved to Wisconsin three months later, and that was the most challenging three months of my life. Like, and so I just, I feel so bad for, it doesn't matter if it's baseball, basketball, like whatever. I feel so bad for these individuals who are being forced to make this decision to either play a game that they get, that they're very good at and it's what they love or being forced to not do that so they can spend time with family. It just doesn't seem fair. Absolutely. And you know, you get, then you get the, the, you know, usual Twitter response. Well, you guys get millions of dollars. I get millions of dollars. Okay, great. That's fine. But you know what? Money doesn't change everything. I understand where people are coming from with that, but it doesn't change anything. I think back to the original spring training, which was, what, I think 17, 19 years ago now, uh, and we talked to Eric Sogard, who had come back to the Brewers on, on, on the field this year, and he had gone through some tough times during his last go-around with Milwaukee. He bounced back last year with Toronto, and you know, without going into specifics or details, he said that, a lot of it was coming from stuff he was dealing with outside of the field, you know, family stuff, personal stuff. And anybody, no matter what you do for a living, no matter how much money you make, if you've got things that you're dealing with in your personal life, it affects your work. Yeah. No matter what. I mean, it's happened to me. Uh, I've gone through some stuff, and it's just made my professional life a nightmare. It's going to happen to a multi-million-dollar professional athlete, too. You know, it's just it's part of life. Just as this pandemic is part of life, it is going to affect guys in different ways. And I think everyone needs to be aware of the fact that who you see there right now might not be there in two weeks, might not be there in a month. And it might be some of the big guys. Who's to say that 
you know, someone in Christian Yellow's family, God forbid, ends up being affected by this, and he has to walk away. You know, you never know. You just have to keep an open mind and be understand. I clearly understand that there is a large difference between Major League Baseball and American Association Baseball, but just as an example, the Milwaukee Milkmen, um, they were... They, they were supposed to play a game on the day that we're talking right now on Sunday, and fans showed up there and basically were told somebody had tested positive for the coronavirus, and they weren't able to uh, they weren't able to play. Now, yeah, that's that's independent baseball. I get it's a different level, but that that can happen anywhere. Exactly, you can take all the precaution in the world, but it, it, all it takes is, is is one moment, you know, one inadvertent moment. You can have all the protection, all the mask, all the personal distance, whatever, one inadvertent squeeze the wrong way, just just one little thing. What is it called? The, the butterfly effect? Yeah. One little thing to throw everything into. Greg Consul has said this, and a couple of guys have said it. You know, I'm so sick of these cliches, but it really is a new normal, and you have to expect the unexpected. You have to be prepared for anything. You have to be prepared for every planning piece of planning that you've done to be torn up and ripped up on a moment's notice and start over, and you have to prepare for the possibility that, okay, despite everyone's best efforts, it's just not going to happen. Ryan Braun had previously spoken to, a, I think it was a Los Angeles newspaper, and basically said that in all likelihood he would be coming back after this year. He reiterated that during a media session a couple days ago, and a lot more has been made of it this time around. But it does sound like he wants to to play beyond this year. Doesn't want to end his career on a sixty game schedule and everything. I, it's it's notable. I, you would think that there would be interest on both sides, wouldn't you? I, again, it's something that is a little bit older. I, it was kind of funny how everybody picked up on it, but uh, it is somewhat notable that Braun is telling everybody that he wants to uh, play beyond this year. Yeah, and definitely. Um, and I, I'm not surprised by that at all. I mean, Ryan Braun has been around a long time. He's also a pretty smart guy. I mean, he looks at the situation and realizes, okay, you know, the biggest challenge for him has been obviously health. Um, when he is healthy, he's been able produce and we've seen that the last couple of Septembers, you know, people want to fetch and moan that Ryan Braun isn't in the lineup when they've lost three in a row, uh, you know, in the middle of May or June. But there's a reason for that. They want him at his best in September. Now that they can use the designated hitter, that means you can have him in the lineup more often. You can have him healthy more often. You can have a bigger impact over a shorter span. And let's face it, it's highly unlikely the designated hitter is going to go away after this year. I mean, let's be real. In those situations, I mean, the DH, I mean, it's kind of ideally designed for veteran sluggers whose mm-hmm. bodies can't handle the everyday grind of the field, but are still very good in the bat in their hands. And for that, I mean, you think about it, Brian Braun's a perfect candidate for it. An absolutely perfect candidate for him. So, yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into play. None of it surprised me at all. None of it surprised me. I'm going to be honest, I didn't think even in January, we kind of hinted at it. I didn't think that it was going to be, you know, his last year either. I didn't think so either. I agree with you on that. Uh, Council has said, you know, it makes sense for him to DH, but it also it's an opportunity to keep Christian Yelich's bat in the lineup while giving him a day off from the field. It, it certainly does seem like there's things that this team can do the way it's built uh, that having a DH can certainly be pretty helpful. Yeah, for all the griping that people did about what David Stearns didn't do uh, over the winter. 
Now, granted, he obviously did not see a global pandemic coming on. It basically blew up life as we know it. But when you step back and look at all of those moves and you look at the situation the Brewers are being handed right now, a shortened schedule, expanded rosters, designated hitter, I mean, I, I, again, this is probably recency biased because this is the team that I, that I cover for a living, but it's hard to find a team that's better suited for this specific season than yeah. the Brewers are right now. And we mentioned Braun and Yelich being uh, in the designated hitter role. Braun's going to be there a significant amount of time. Obviously, Yelich will get a case all at bats at the DH. But Lorenzo Cade as well. And Abasiel Garcia and Jed Jerko. I mean, they can rotate guys throughout that, that position throughout the course of the year to get the best possible defensive matchup while keeping the most potent offensive matchup. Combine that with kind of pitching that we've seen Craig Council use when he has an expanded roster. And you think about it, both always come at the end of the season, which they've used to just blow back into a playoff race and wipe out the lead. Now you're going to give Council a 30-man roster for the first couple weeks of the season. We see what he can do, you know, when they're, when they're pushing to get in. This is a great opportunity for them to kind of jump out of the gate and, and build a nice cushion. I don't know if you're gonna agree with me on this, and I don't think I'm not hearing a lot of people kind of say what what I'm saying because a lot you know for you to be successful that means somebody else has to not be successful, and that's just how it works. There's always a winner, there's always a loser, and I I look at how the Brewers pitching staff is built, and you got a lot of guys who are going to be asked to go five six innings keep you in the game. Uh, pretty much everybody outside of Brandon Woodruff, that's sort of the task, and. When you when the Washington Nationals of the world and the other teams that have these elite starting pitchers that go give you seven eight innings, those guys are not going to be able to give you seven eight innings for the first few weeks of the season when they're not stretched out. And when you play a 162 game schedule, that that doesn't matter if there's you know the first three four starts from somebody is only five six innings. But when you're talking about a 60 game schedule. All of a sudden, that advantage that a team has built for themselves by having all these studs at the top of the rotation that gets minimized a little bit. While the Brewers are just kind of going to do what they've what they always do. I guess it's a different question when you get into the postseason. But from a regular season standpoint, I see that as an advantage. So I say all that to say, do you agree or disagree with my premise there? I do. I mean, listen. I think if given the choice between having you know seventeen guys that can give you you know, a little bit of good or having a couple of ace guys that can go seven innings, eight innings every time out or big council and anybody having a bunch of aces. But yeah, I do think it's an advantage. I, I absolutely think it's an advantage right now. I think I think it, it spells out well for me. It's making the most of what's available. You know, it's not always a, a what's better what's what type of proposition is what's what's the best you can do with what you have. And I think that's what the brewers are at right now. From a first base standpoint, you got a couple guys, and it's you didn't really know what was going to happen with Logan Morrison before, and it, you know, it just the, Ryan Braun was going to be part of that, and I guess he could still be part of it. But again, this kind of goes back to the DH with with being able to use Braun as a designated hitter a lot, and still also on the days that he's not the DH, he can still go out and play in the outfield. It certainly seems like it opens up some other things they might be able to do over at first base. Absolutely. I mean, it doesn't hit a hitter really open stuff up. Now now you could put Justin Smoke on there more frequently. And if if it plays out the way they hope, 
uh, and we saw it with Christian Yelich. He has the kind of swing and the kind of power that is built for Miller Park. You know, it's just, it's one of those things. No one can ever really figure it out, but Miller Park appeals to that kind of hitter. Now you're going to have him in, in there more on a regular basis. Like you said, Logan Morrison was having a hell of a spring camp. Uh, he was a non-roster guy. They were trying to figure out if they could fit him on the roster, even with the 26-man spot, because he was primarily just the power bat off the bench late in games type of option. Now you can you know, add that in more. So it, it, it really opens up so many things. This it's. I know people hate it. I know people talk about the style of game. Sorry, things change. Things evolve. Things progress. You might not like it, but it's part of it. And this is part of it, and it, I, I think it's going to help the Brewers I'll tell in a number you, of different ways. I'll tell you the thing I'm really interested to see how it plays out is the runner on it second for extra innings because you can either bunt them over to third and play for basically one run, especially if you're coming to the plate on the top of the inning and, and try to put pressure on the team in the bottom of the inning to also score a run, or you can take the approach – play the inning out, try to score multiple rounds, not bunt over because, hey, the team coming up in the bottom of the inning, they're going to have the runner on at second as well, so they can probably score a single run if, if they need to. Are, are you as – and I know it's, pro, it's also going to be dependent on who's coming to the plate when those decisions are being made, but are you as interested as I am on kind of what the, the general strategy is going to be in extra innings? Absolutely, because you hit the nail right in the head. People can't talk about the loss of strategy. Uh, that comes with the designated hitter. Okay, I get that. But you're adding in a whole new level of strategy that has, has never even really been considered. I mean, it really is, I think, going to add something to the game. Obviously, there are practical benefits. I mean, we've seen what happens when a team plays an 18-inning game. You know, during the course of a 162-game season, it can be devastating to a guy. Uh, it can be devastating to a team. If you burn all your pitchers out, it can cost you a, a good week before you're healthy again. Um, they don't have that option. They also won't have the option of, of having a deep farm system to pluck guys up. So uh, there's there's the logical benefit of it. And now you're, you're looking at a whole new level of fun. You're looking at different ways of looking at the game and thinking about the game. And again, it comes back to strategy. It, it's how are you going to play it? I'm really looking forward to seeing how it works on the major league level. And if it doesn't work, they don't have to do it again. Right. But it makes sense for the situation. I, I wish baseball would have just gone all out this year you know, never mind the negotiations and the battle between the union and the players and the players' union and the owners. Just every goofy, whim, stupid rule idea anyone's had in the last 15 years, throw it in the pot this year and give it a chance because this is a one-off strategy. You know, no matter what happens, there's always going to be an asterisk next to this year that says, well, you know, this is a weird year or whatever, champion, one, whatever. This is a chance to go out and just Try it. Try whatever you can. See what sticks. See what makes the game better. See what makes the game worse. And then move forward from that. You know, so adding in the DH, adding in the extra inning rule, go for it. I am all for it. Whatever makes the game more exciting, whatever brings a little more excitement to this crazy, goofy, stupid, painful year, do it. I agree. And at one point we heard that they might do the automated umpires, and then that kind of went away. I know Rob Manford wants the pitch clock, and Players are still against that. As somebody who who dealt with the pitch clock when I was broadcasting minor league baseball, it really it makes so little of an impact on the game. I've never completely understood uh, such the opposition to it. But you're right; like, they should have done all of that stuff. 
But of course, we're not paid to make those decisions, Matt. No, we're just, we're just the wackies. Do you? <laughs> before I get you out of here, I want to go back to the labor negotiations for a moment because Rob Manford opened up his mouth this past week and made the comment about, "Well, we were never going to play more than sixty games," and then he tried to. He tried to walk that back and say, well, it was because, you know, look at look at what's going on with Florida and Texas. It wasn't that we weren't going to negotiate 60 games. It was that the current scenario would have never allowed it to happen. Do you still expect to see that grievance, and do you think there's a, a pretty good chance that the players could end up winning that thing? I, I don't look at it as he was slipping up and revealing a sinister plan. I know I'm in the minority here. Um, I try not to see, you know, evil underwritings of every nefarious deed. I, I see, I can see where the Manfred haters would come out and say, oh, see, this is his ploy all along. Um, but I, I do see where he's coming from in terms of the schedule. And I think he was talking about that specific interest that got to a point where you weren't going to have any more than that. I mean, they've been steadfast all along about not wanting to play, you know, beyond October because of the health risks. So I don't see, I don't see the grievance coming. It might if they do, it might help their cause, but I don't think it's going to be the deciding factor. I, I really don't. And again, that could be a naivete, and I know there's going to be people blowing me up, like, oh, you're signing with billionaire owners over those poor, underpaid, billionaire players. I'm not. I just try to look at things from a logical and practical standpoint. Last thing for you, do you think they get through the season? <sighs> I'm optimistic, but I see too many things that could go wrong and too many unknowns to, to say without a doubt. I'm going to put it at right now, it's you know probably 50-50 at this point. Alright, fair enough. Uh, Andrew, always appreciate the time. Encourage people to read you at madison.com and the Wisconsin State Journal. Follow you on Twitter at ByAndrewWagner. Uh, hopefully we are going to be talking much, much more now that uh, baseball is set to return. Hope so, my friend. It's always a pleasure. Andrew Wagner joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And that is just about going to do it for this week's podcast. Now, depending on when you're listening to the podcast, this may have already happened. It has been reported that the full Major League Baseball schedule is expected to be released on Monday. And it's also been reported that the Brewers, in all likelihood, are going to open up their season on Friday, July 24th. There's going to be a couple games on Thursday, July 23rd in Major League Baseball. And then the rest of the teams will open up on July 24th. And that's when uh, the Brewers are expected to have their opening day, whether it's at home, on the road, what it's going to look like, who it's going to be against. We don't know any of those details, but we are getting closer and closer to uh, knowing when and who the Brewers are going to be playing. Again, my appreciation to uh, Andrew Wagner for uh, joining us on the podcast. My appreciation to you for being tuned in, and we look forward to talking again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.